All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Doghouse Podcast with Adam and my man, Jimmy Rogers. What's going on, Adam? How are we, bud? Hey, brother. Man, got a good week. Got a good week in here. Been getting a little bit better, um, a little bit of better weather, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. It was humid today, but man, I just ready. I just told Spence earlier, Spencer. Rogers is up training today, getting ready for the national. He's actually sitting out here at the end with a headset on. But I just told him, I said, man, I'm just ready for the humidity to be gone. That's the number one thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's no fun. We, we It's been warm up here at home, and I'm uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm, we're there. We're, we're getting in warm days without the high humidity. It's pretty nice. We Like yesterday, had a nice breeze. A little warmer today, but not humid, it, you know. You stand out in the middle of the sun, yeah, you're gonna get hot. Yeah, uh, yesterday it was. Yeah, yesterday was the same tent we had here today, but it was blue skies, had a breeze blowing, no humidity, and I was walking around hunching like an old dog all day, you know. And today, (laughs) same tent, cloudy and humid as frick, and it just it ain't no fun to me. I mean, I'm 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 over it, I guess. So, but we got it done. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's the main thing. We we. We've been having some dang good days of training, trying to get everything last minute prepped. You know, we're still building some stuff and going over little things, just make sure we got it. But like as we say, the hay is in the barn at this point. We we really do. I'm ready to go to to Oregon. Yep, yep, yep. I threw one today. It was at like 59 yards, and they couldn't find it, bud. Yeah, yeah. I've had uh, I had I had a day like it yesterday. I shot a flower pot, uh, flyer, I, flyer. As the first bird out, and then throw the throw the uh, uh, go bird, uh, donkey bird. Yeah, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was it was not easy on them at all. It was <laughs> some of them got it, but it was a wallering around deal. I, I, I totally get it. But um, well, today is we don't have a ton of time. Um, both you and I got stuff to do. We're trying to get ready to to leave and be gone and you know there's a ton of things that we have to do to prepare just to leave for the amount of time that we'll be gone and uh, right not including the dog training all the personal stuff we got to catch the stuff people don't think of you know just just little things man i got a million little things i need i need two weeks of little stuff before dog training to get out of here yeah exactly we're gonna be, got, we're gonna be gone what three and a half weeks or something three full weeks anyway exactly and we we can i've caught a little flat because we hadn't put one out Last week or so, so uh, been getting a little heat from the Patriots. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So somebody, That's right. my brother sent me a, a text message last night. And said, Did "Y'all quit the podcast." I was like, "No, but <laughs> come get you a dose of this and see if you're worried about a podcast." <laughs> That's uh, right. We don't, don't want to start a damn ride here, so we're gonna go ahead and put one out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But before we get too deep into it. Uh, Sullivan Motors, Collins, Mississippi, BS delivers. If you're in, a, in the market for a new ride, Jimbo, tell us what you got up in Kentucky on the on the tractors. Hey, I'm 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 uh, I'm riding one of them Sullivan Motors Chevrolets or GMCs today, and boy, I tell you what, that thing's all right. It's going to uh, 
it's going to make a trip out to Oregon. Uh, and look, if you're looking for a Mahindra tractor, check out G&G Motors, Columbia, Kentucky, Chaz, Giles, G&G Motors, got side-by-side, Mahindra side-by-side, small tractors, big tractors, all your tractor needs. Check out G&G Motors, Columbia, Kentucky. My buddy Chaz Giles, his little wren dog's going with us out there to Idaho, or to, excuse me, Oregon. And uh, we're excited, hopefully, we can get her a pass on this national run. Absolutely, man. I'm pulling for wren for sure. Yes. Pulling for that sweet little gal. So She is a sweetheart. Absolutely. So we got a few few little topics. Let's tackle a couple of topics, put, put a little something out there. Um, I had somebody ask me the other day, um, about two-sided healing, Jim, you know, is it personal preference yeah. or what are your <clears throat> thoughts on it? All right. And this is somewhere where you and I actually differ, correct? It is. It is. And I'm excited. I've actually, you know, we, we've talked uh, very briefly about this. Had all the dog training stuff we've talked about. It's come up a, maybe once or twice on the podcast, but not much. And then even training together as much as we have, we don't talk much about it. So I'm excited to hear kind of your thoughts on it and i'll tell you mine so go ahead i want you to start because you do it we'll start with that i know you you heal dogs on both sides go ahead all right yeah i do two sides i talk i heal on both sides and um lauren lajvan the man who taught me how to train um healed on two sides so that's um at the time i did not know all of the advantages of it so i decided to two-sided heal and yes um i guess one thing you know in the simplest form is it gets your dog comfortable on both sides of you. And I, I feel like I've, I've trained, I've picked up dogs from other kennels that only one side. And it's almost like any move you make, they slam into your left side. And that just irks me after I've come up the way I have um, with Lorne. But I, I, it gets the dog comfortable on both sides. So if you're in a pit and uh, your dog's on your right, they're not just totally uncomfortable about that. I feel like... Um, those dogs that, that only left-side dogs can, I guess that could be a, a little bit of a curve right there, you know, if they have to be in the pit yeah. be on your right side. Or if they're hunting and, and, and um, they need to be on that side of you and they're just, you know, that's their home on the left, I just feel like it eliminates some confusion at that point as the dog grows into a hunting dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, most people shoot right-handed. So if the dog is at our heel when we're shooting, we normally do put them on our left. But um, there's a lot of situations in, in hunting when they're not there. Um, so I just feel like it, it just gives a dog a little bit more of a comfort level when they're not on your left side in a hunting situation. All right. Um, when, you, when you start applying it to, to the training aspect of it, I hope I don't leave anything else. I'm just going to go off the cuff here, but – <clears throat> for me, I heal on both sides, and so when you start throwing singles for the puppy, um, for your dogs, if a bird is thrown right to left, we'll send the dog off the left side. If the bird's thrown left to right, we would send the dog off the right side. Um, and I think I think it takes a long time for that to actually matter. Um, about I guess probably about ten thousand marks. Maybe they start to put that together but um if if they stay here long enough to get into advanced training that means something to a dog and so if i if i miss a mark and i come up and there's there's a station or a clump of trees or something out there i can put them on my right and hopefully communicate with that dog hey that bird was thrown left or right so you go hunt on that side or vice versa um i feel like that's that's one advantage to it um 
I feel like when you start getting into your master test, when you have a flyer that is, um, let's say the flyer is way out here to the left, um, and the first bird out is is a hard bird kind of to the right of the test or deep te- deep part of the test, I can put my dog on the right, and I can cut the flyer off. So they just don't automatically go look at the flyer, or automatically look, see the long bird come out, and then boom, right to the flyer. I can squeeze them and make them look out there and maybe study that bird to the ground even a little bit more. Um, yes. That's, that's one other, other way I think you can use it. Um, you can, <clears throat> if a hard bird in a, in a test, and it, just say there's not a flyer, but there's a, there's a real hard bird, you can possibly use that one side or the other to um to get more focus on that on that keyboard of the test um i guess some more stuff you want me to keep going yeah no no that's fine that's right. that's the stuff the stuff that you're saying that's kind of what i i wonder what what about uh what about your honor situation i mean i i feel like i mean it's an advantage on the honor also um you know if if you get, you can you can use your body a little bit there also if you can put them on your left or right. I honor off of both sides. Um, if there's a real enticing bird or a breaking bird, you can you know you can use it in that honor. I mean in that way to uh, you know uh, kind of not block them from seeing it. It's not what I'm trying to say, but almost put yourself in between the dog and yeah. the bird. You know what I mean? The dog's not going to be as as comfortable bolting out of past you to go to the bird where if he can just turn straight out to the left if he's on your left side and be gone to it it would be a little more comfortable for him to do that than it would be to to uh to try to come off your right side run in front of you to it right right absolutely um yeah another way i apply it is poison birds um i flip sides so like if a bird if a mark comes out and it's a poison bird i tell them leave it other side and that's my communication on a poison bird and yeah what that does it to me it's just a, one more way of telling them that we're not going to get that bird um yeah i use it that way um another way i use it is on angle entry water blinds if um if i'm going to go flat down the down the edge of the water for a long ways before i get in i will send them off of the side away from the water to me. Does that make sense? So like yes. this thing about that water blind at Tyler's the other day, um, that second test, you know, we had to run down beside the water for 65, 70 yards maybe, right? That's right. All right, so I ran my dogs off the right on that blind. And uh, one whistled it and two whistled it, and I think I may have lined it with one or something like that. One, uh, one yeah. more one whistle, Spence says. So there's another level of communication. All right, I'm not on that side, so I'm not going to just go right into the water, so I'm going to run down through here quite a ways. That's right. That's I teach that in training, and I think it relays over to the test some. Um, now, yeah. just say I, I needed – I had an angle entry, but, man, I'm going to get a good chunk of water. I could put that dog on the water side – and squeeze him a little bit and and push him on into the water. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, that's another way that I use it right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure I'm leaving something out. That's or sure. it's, or it's advantageous. I just yeah. think there's too many. 
I think there's too many advantages to two-sided to not do it. Um, let's let you take the floor and tell me why you one side heel. And, and the, the main reason that's the way I started. Okay, so I shoot left-handed, but everybody I trained with or learned from when I was coming up put all the dogs on the left. That was just nobody run a two-sided dog, so that's the way I learned how to do it. Um, and then from that point, I just so I like the point you about teaching the dog to take more land and then catching the water. What I see and, and what the, I guess one of the things that I, I would not use it for is to crutch like those dogs that want to cheat. You know, I've seen guys try to use the side of heel. It's like my theory because your dogs are going to hit the water, and I know that you're actually teaching them to get in the water the correct way. Where uh these guys that's got these cheating dogs they'll try to crowd them in you know and i I don't think that's what it's for i think you're doing it right i do see that a lot though where they're trying to cheat the water and they'll you know they got a left entry so they'll put the dog on the left side if they got a right hand entry down the shore they'll put them on the right side right to try to make it and i don't think i don't think it's for it's not a crutch you still gotta train your dog to get in the water you know and like I say, I know your dogs will get in the water, but I see a lot of people do that. I think they're trying to outthink the dog and not train it as much, you know. Right. Actually put it in a position where it has to make the, uh, you know, make the right decision into the water. But, uh, you know, other than that, I, I really, you know, the Lardy videos, when I started watching those, he talked about two-sided. And he said the same thing about uh, – if you're going to, uh, you know, teach it for marking, you know, birds coming out left to right or right to left and, and then, you know, teaching the dog to which side the gun's on and all that, you know, he said years to develop that kind of communication. The dog, you know, years, you know, older, way older, all age dogs start to understand that, that scenario. Right. And, uh, and I thought, you know, is it worth the trouble <laughs> going through all of that to, to try to two, two-sided heal them? And then, of course, starting out, too, 99% of what I made was just, you know, solely for hunting, not testing. And the guys that were getting the dogs were having a hard enough time learning how to handle what they had without trying to figure out what side to put them on. Right. Now, I do, I do uh, uh, when we're hunting dog training, I'll put the Momar stand, you know, and get them used to being run off of that side, but right. just for the hunting scenarios. Right. I do that quite I do that quite a bit. So if there is that does come up, I that uh I'll be able to get them, you know, get them over in there. So uh that's definitely that's definitely one, you know, one one thing I do. But as far as running off of it, I just never have done it. I mean, and it's pretty pretty much that simple, you know. Right. Uh it's just not something. And and I tell you another thing, uh I say that, let me, it kind of reminded me of a situation when I first started, uh, I was doing a lot of HRC also when I started full time and you start getting the dog to flip left and right on the bucket. And it, that gets to be a little more of a headache. If you do a lot of HRC and you're sitting on that bucket and you start trying to heal them left and right, and you start trying to then talk them into swing and you say heal or here, sometimes that dog, you have to be very clear on where that dog's supposed to be or can become confusing. Right. And here, I'm going to tell you how I combat that, the whole here and heel thing. When, I want, when I'm doing obedience and I teach them to change sides, it's a whole other command. It's 
I say other side. Yeah. I never say yeah. here and let them flip sides. It's always, and I put my hand in front of their, like down here, I say other side, and I do my hand across my body. And, that, and that's my command yeah. for come up, you know, come to the other side. I don't, I never say here or heel and make them flip sides. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I say other side. It's a whole command in itself. Yeah, and that way you don't have that. And that's when I that few dogs I had taught that, and then you get on the bucket. I taught them heel, you know, to come into the left side, and here to come over to the right side, and then work them from that side. And when you started, you know, flopping that gun around on that bucket, it got confusing to them. Right. Back when I was HRC, yeah. and for the most part, I I shot my marks off my left. Yeah. Um, for the, for yeah. the most and then there's times there's times i'm thinking man I, you know i guess used to i would think man i wish i had that but i've run a lot without it you know and, and i'm not you know i i'm not i'm not saying i wouldn't do it uh i've got dogs in from other people you know come off field trial trucks or whatever they've backed up to run hunt tests with and it's nice to have you know flop them over on the other side line them up and send them for stuff but uh for the for the most part, I, I'm 99% left-handed heel. Now, uh, I've got a couple of dogs right now with left-handed shooters that we have trained on the right side, so we can do that. But they're right-sided only. Right. Yeah, just for the way the guys shoot. But they're hunting dogs, you know. I mean, that's all that dogs going to do. They're not they're not going to be running no trials or no hunt tests. So they're just just learning to do it all off the right. And sometimes you got it, it, you got to have the right dog too. I'm not saying every dog can't learn it. But some of those dogs were stretching the ability to get them to do what we do anyway. Yeah, no, I, you know, I and, and I don't, I don't, you know, it, if you got those top runners in top, you know, top of the line, uh, top running dogs we have, I'm sure are capable of doing that. But the ones that are, like I say, we're stretching them anyway to get them to the level we do. Uh, I think that's a lot. You know, it's just putting something more on them too. Right. There's yeah. no. There's no. Do you right. do, do, you do it? Do you do it with every dog? Every dog comes to your kennel does does both sided healing. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, we get a get one in here. It's just dumber than a sack of hammers, and we might just do left only. <laughs> but that's right. Um, it's that's a gun dog at that point, and you know he don't he don't need to heal on both sides. He don't need to heal on both sides. He don't have to, you know. And we just kind of do yeah. the same hole comfort deal and i mean and just to shoot you 100 percent straight i probably um didn't train that one somebody else here did it <laughs> would be doing the training on one if he's that dumb <laughs> that's, that's right that's right well cool I, I think that's a good question uh i think we're covered that good i tell you what i'm on my rabbit trail a little bit and I, i'll tell you if you want me to um cuss you under my breath and talk dirty about you you know, I can't I, I can't stand getting a dog from another trainer that won't sit in front of me. Um oh, if you God. make if you if you even <laughs> let a little poot out and it slams to your left side, I will talk yeah. dirty about you. Yeah, burn the heel. It's the first command they learn. That's yeah. that's never a good thing. <laughs> no. Don't don't do that. If you hear this podcast, do not burn the heel to start with. <laughs> don't do it at all would be the best idea. That's about like forcing them to the kennel to the dog stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want to you, you don't want to you don't want them where they won't sit in front of, there is nothing worse and every time you make a movement they just sling around there because that's the only place they found in their life to be safe but you ain't getting nowhere if you if i get one 
here and it comes from somebody and it, and it does that, they automatically don't know nothing about dog training to me. So. Yeah, no, no question. No question. If he can't set it remote, he they had not been trained. Uh, that's step one. That's, that's like once they learn to set, the first thing we do is what, teach them to walk a twenty yard circle around them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like the first week they're at the kennel. They learn that. I know it. I know. It. Anyway, sorry, Rabbit Trail. I went off. But no, you're good. Right, you're Jim. good. Let's go to the next. What, what's our next dude? All right, I got a future master hunter. Okay, and he's and we're coming into hunting season. This is a man. This may be the best question that we've had come in. One of the top questions. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who sent it, but um, whoever whoever did, um, you need to send more questions. But all right, I, I how to hunt my future master hunter? We're going into hunting season. I have a dog that is. Uh, enforced to pile, maybe doing the T, maybe he'll stop a little bit, maybe he won't, but how do I take that dog hunting? What's some do's and don'ts? So, you may catch that to start with? Start it out, man, and I'll I'll pick up a little bit here and there if, I, if you miss. I think, uh, I think the key to that would be definitely not overwhelming the dog with a big hunt. I, I think any any dog, future master hunter, future gun dog, future grand champion, future field champion, if they if 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 they're young dogs in training, and, and especially even if they're done major master title in young dogs, their first hunts don't need to be overwhelmed. One or two shooters, somebody handling the dog, not shooting their gun, and and teaching that dog how to hunt. You know, I, I tell all of my guys. First few hunts is going to be on you to be a handler. That's your job. We've trained them, but they don't know anything about those birds coming in out of the sky, all the ethics of being around the duck blind, and it's a good time to teach it right there. So I think starting a dog off with not overwhelming him, giving him, putting him in an area where he can see, where he can uh, uh, look out in the out of whatever position he's in, even if you have to move out away from a blind and get over, you know, somewhere else where the dog can see what's going on, I think it's important. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, uh, just number, even, even on the bad days, being there is important. Yeah. Uh, is it, being there. They, they get something out of being there every, every time they're there, it's worth the trip. I, I agree. I think you gotta, yeah. I think you need to go out of your way to control that dog. Um, and that means not letting him break and act a fool. I mean, he needs, he needs to be under control. Um, you need to put birds in front of him, right out there in front of him. You need, to, you need to go hunting to where you kill them and they fall right there, Jim, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, dove, dove shooting is fantastic for a young dog if you can do it right because it's if you can do it in a controlled environment, that is fantastic because you can get your buddy to shoot for you. You take your, your young dog, set away from him and face him and let him see all that happen. Uh, and, and usually there's enough activity they're going to get some birds, you know, and uh, that I think dove shooting is really good for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I hate. I hate it when my people come get a dog and take it dove hunting. It it it, it, it irks my soul. Dove is like oh, like big as the palm of my hand. It has no scent, right? Here I am. Yeah. Busting my butt to teach this dog to mark and to run a blind, and it goes out there and it just waters around and can't find them. And um, I I think it's good for them putting the whole picture together. But if we're trying to build a master hunter. Don't t- don't come get it to go dove hunting, you know. Yeah, well, see now that's one little different. On. I tell all my guys hunting comes first, and we'll train it later. So like right now, dove season's on up here, and 
shoot half of the dogs I had have gone home. Definitely they'll come back and uh and get you know finish up for duck season but but once they go through that they kind of got a little idea about the hunting side of it you know uh, and if they do i tell them if they do good or bad it don't matter just take them you know and don't put them in a in a 70 gun shoot you know up there in one of those horse farms where they're killing a thousand birds in an afternoon take them you know to your little private spot where four or five guys are going to shoot let them pick up six or eight if they get all excited put them up you know but no, uh, it is hard, you know, like, like I know they don't mark them as well because they're so small compared to what they're used to marking. A lot of dogs are way over on them. Uh, there's a lot to it, but man, you get a dog that really digs in and starts finding doves in cover. Them suckers can hunt, man. They, they're hunting dogs. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. But let's, let's dove hunt next year. If we're yeah, trying to run blinds and all, yeah, let's, let's, yeah. we'll dove hunt next year in my, that's just me, but yeah, um, yeah, I and but I do tell my people this: you pay me, you work hard, you pay me good money to train your dog. So if you want to come get this dog, you come get it, and take it hunting. That's fine. Um, but if it was my young dog, and I'm talking about young dogs more so than anything, I, I, yeah. I would rather them not go dove hunting. Yeah, well, if they're up, if they're done up running a blind, you know, to the point of running a blind and say season level, then I'm good with it. That's me, you know, yeah, but, but the, but now, a lot of these guys where I'm at, that's the hunting they're going to do. You got to realize they may not even duck hunt. They may have just solely had the dog. They may go on. I've made a lot of master hunters that never go to Arkansas. You know, they may duck hunt some of these ponds around here, but their hunting is solely dove hunting and they'll hunt 30, 25, 30 days a year. Well, I, I, that's a little bit different. I'm talking about the guy that's going to go out here in Alabama on, on opening day and, and kill a few doves when it's a hundred and it's a, it's a little bit different than up there. That's right. Um, That's right. And but you know, but then you get that, you get that seasoned dog, that's um, just starting to run blinds. Then he goes out there and he gets to hunting on his blinds and all that, and it's just like uh, they run with their nose down when they come back. It, I, I just, oh yeah, you know. yeah. No, it, that that's bound to happen. That's for sure. But of course, I guess I've done it so long that that's just part of the job. <laughs> you right. fix it and move on. You know, that's all I can. That's all I can do is just just get them back going, you know. But because like I say, most of, in the area I'm in, it's so popular. It's just what we train, and I like it. Hell, I like dove shooting. You know, that's what I grew up. That's what I got my first dog for. Right. You know, before way before way before I ever went duck hunting. Hell, I I dove shot for 15 years before I ever went to the first duck hunt. You know, and we always had dogs for our dove hunts. So it's just a difference, you know that that's part of it but once like i say once you get a dog especially these guys hunting next to a bean field or these uh you know weed patches and stuff and them dogs get to where they can go in there and start bringing them doves out them suckers can find a duck with no trouble <laughs> oh yeah there ain't no doubt yeah, there ain't, <laughs> that's right there ain't no doubt um i think another thing if if you have a young dog and 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 you got hopes of making a master hunter out of it i don't think you just um if it, even if it'll go and stop on the whistle a little bit i i don't I wouldn't advise running blinds. If if he can't oh. truly run a blind, let him go get what he sees fall, and the rest of it get with the boat or get off your fat rear end and walk out there and get them. Well, so what I tell them is exactly that. If like I tell them with great power becomes great responsibility. You know, the dog, little dog, will run a nice little blind season level. You know, run out and handle pretty nice. I had several pick up this year. I'm like, don't handle your dog on the birds. I said, send him for the ones he sees. If you don't walk out there and help him find them, teach him to hunt first and we'll handle later. I said, if you start handling it, 
all the time, he's going to stop marking and you'll just have to show him where they all are. I've had that happen several times. That's, that's a, a ditch you don't want to get off in. It's just handling on every mark. It, I had a guy, <laughs> the rabbit trail here, good dude, good friend of mine, got his dog up and going. It was way along through finish, a few master passes, goes to his first duck hunt. And he gets to hunt with these guys. It's got a lot of birds. He's down in Arkansas. And every bird they kill, the dog goes out there and gets within 10 foot of it. Tweet. Stop him and handle it. Well, the first time or two he done that, and all his boys are like, man, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. They've never seen a dog handle that crisp before. Mm-hmm. Well, next thing you know, the dog <laughs> comes back to finish up his master test and pops on every mark that's thrown. He just runs out there, kind of gets close and sits down. Like, show me where it is. And it took me all summer. What should have took me about two months to finish up took me about six to eight months to get done, to get him first of all, stop popping so we could get him back to hunting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's the biggest thing, I think, hunting them and doing stuff that they're not capable of doing hunting. It creates popping. Absolutely. And, and man, you're talking about something that's just so hard to fix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like I say, my, my theory is they hunt dogs every time they're hunting is a good deal. I have good right. If it's a good hunt or bad hunt, take them hunting. I, I encourage my guys to hunt. Now, saying that, I got a whole bunch of the kennel going to the national and going to the grand. They they don't even ask. You know, and I, and I wouldn't care. Some of them I'd be like, don't take them. But, man, you know that's not doing you or me any favors. So that's going to be a problem. Right. In the, and we don't want to get into that. So, yeah. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh Let's throw one more thing out. It'll be quick. Then we'll then we'll right. then we'll quit. Um, Wrap it up. Guy says it may be controversial. I mean, controversy <laughs> does not bother Jim. And I was, was going to say well, that's what we live for is the controversy. We live for. We'll tell somebody to kiss us in the butt real quick, won't we, buddy? Oh, <laughs> before they ever start. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Just kidding. We're nice guys. Um, running yeah. running late at the hunt test. Running into twilight when it's dark. Um, What's your thoughts on on how late we should run these events and stuff? I got I got the funniest story ever. Okay, so we uh, uh I go to my first grand in Catoose, Oklahoma. I'm staying with Ronnie Lee. Ron, Ronnie, God love him, was not real excited about the grand back then. He was starting to get to his point of not wanting to do it no more. Started and I was grandy. dog over. He was yeah he he wasn't real grandy. And I asked him. I said, man, I was dog ninety nine. I was letting there was a hundred dogs in the flight. I never forget. I was dog 99, last dog, first time I ever went. And I asked him, I said, well, how late did they run? And he said, till the third dog don't see the marks, and then they stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. He said, don't worry about it. You won't run till tomorrow anyway. And he was right. We, I didn't run till the middle of the morning the next day. But saying that, you know, I have run in the evenings where it made it better. I mean, I think that's a real open-ended thing. I've seen the time when, when the sun was setting, it made something, it, it, you know, put good light on the birds. Better, yeah. Put good light on the birds. And I've seen it when it, it, you know, the good judges notice it right away and say, Hey man, you know, I, I remember, uh, I was running, I think it was East Tennessee or at Northeast Tennessee club. There's around a little while I run a dog and he said, look, you know, try it. And I'm thinking, well, try it, heck, you know, I'm just, you know, I get up there and the dog obviously didn't see the bird. It was too dark, you know, and he said, all right, go ahead. You're, you know, call him in. He said, you'll be the first dog to run this tomorrow. So, and it was fair, you know, as long as the judge is fair about it, they, he recognized it and said, you know, it's, it's too, you know, it's too, uh, it's too dark. So, you know, a lot of people train, you know, the guys at work, you know, they train in the evenings, so they don't mind running, you know, they don't mind running late. So. Uh, you know, saying that, 
I, you know, I run most of my dogs run midday or, you know, through the morning and into the afternoon. We don't run at dark very often. So, but I, I don't think it matters. I, I think it's just all the situational, you know, what can the dog see? What's the backdrop? You know, all that. And, and, and saying that about the grand, that, that, that is not the case these days anyway. Uh, they're very fair. They got a, a hard cut off plenty of time to see the birds. I haven't seen that situation in years, you know, where, where it was hard to see or anything like that. I mean, birds extremely hard to see, but it didn't have to do with the lighting. It had to do with just they were hard to see. Right. But, right. Uh, I, I, yeah, Twilight, Twilight runs, you just got to be careful with them. And, and hopefully you got judges. You know, we got so many good judges these days. Most of them recognize pretty quick. Right. Right. And I, yeah. my opinion on that is don't worry about stuff you can't control. Because, I mean, whether they quit or not at a certain time is out of your control. Now, if it's your time to run and it's bad lighting – you shouldn't be worried about the fact that I got to run in bad lighting. You should be worried about the fact that how am I going to make sure my dog sees these marks? That's right. I, I've got to pay attention to my dog to to see if he parks up. And, you know, every dog does something to let you know that they've seen the bird, right? So That's I got right. to watch my dog and pay attention to those type things to know that my dog's seen it or not. Because if not, I'm going to have to coach him a little extra. I'm going to have to make sure he's lined up just right and put him in yeah. the right spot to go in and be successful and find that bird. Which way is the what? wind blowing? Do I need to poke him a little bit left of it or I need to poke him a little bit right of it so that the wind plays in my favor? You worry yeah. about well, the stuff you can control, not what you can't control, then you got a better chance of being successful at that situation. Yeah. If I have any any control at the club, you know, that we run at, man, I don't want to be running that thing late anyway. My dogs are going to start barking, <laughs> wanting food by about 6, 630, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, and I know this time of year, that's getting, to, you know, here in the next few weeks, that's going to be getting closer to dark all the time. But, and I get the point he's saying, but, man, these clubs run until dark anyway. That's a bad idea. If it's a master test, set it up where you can run it on Saturday and two-thirds of the day on Sunday and go home. You know, you don't have to finish it all in one day. I think that's a bad. That's a whole other podcast, but yeah. it's still, it's still running the slap dark, and that's. I, I mean, the people who run the club, because I'm a member of so many different clubs and do you know do a lot of the work and hanging birds and doing all that crap at, you know, up after dark and ain't had nothing to eat since eleven o'clock that morning and dogs ain't been fed in there and it's done dark. That's that's a bad idea anyway. So, I, you know, if you judge, don't don't put your people in that. You know, there's always circumstances. It's thunder showered on saturday morning for four or five hours you gotta do what you gotta do but i'm not just a day in and day out just don't be running till dark that's the best thing to do right and i think that i mean that goes back to how we handled it at our last red hills 100 dog master test you got three days to do a 100 dog test three three whole days and yeah take your time get it done and then quit at a decent time that way your guys that are throwing for you aren't just exhausted and just sick of being there they get to go home and go rest you get to go feed your dogs and go get some rest everybody's just more bright-minded and bushy-tailed and all of that type stuff if you do it that way i that's right i'm over the whole let's get this deal done in one day stuff myself no i'm I'm with you man we saw you sign up for a master test, a weekend master test, it's all day Saturday and all day Sunday they got to do it. So don't don't plan on being home at Sunday at lunch. If you are, just lose your dog in the second series and you'll know you'll make it. <laughs> That's right. You make it you'll make it to church Sunday, bud. <laughs> you'll make it to church on Sunday. But other than that, man, you signed up, plan on being there. You know, if you get out if you get, you know, test goes good and you get out a little early, awesome. If it don't, you know, 
they got all day Sunday to get it done, and I'm fine with that. I, that rush and deal, I, I'm always, you know, I'm ready to go home. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't want to lay around and let it drag out to the middle of the night, but uh, I, I'm not in a rush to fail nobody. You know, I want to, it's kind of like when I judge finish. I, you know, I want to put on a good test, but, but I, and, and I want to keep it moving, but I don't want nobody up there rushing or feel like they're rushed or didn't get a fair chance. They come a long way, spend a lot of money, and I want to make sure they got the right opportunity. So, absolutely. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. Hey Jim, one one thing I wanted to mention before um, before we go here, Mr. Brant Keller, uh, an AKC judge from over in Georgia, a uh, super nice man, passed away, and I just wanted to send our condolences to his family and all those guys over in Georgia. You know, Ray and uh, Nina and all of them were really close with Brant with Brand, and he was he was a fine man and a, and a really nice fella. And, uh, hated to hear that. Just wanted to, just wanted to say yeah. that we was thinking about your family. Cool. All, All right. right. Well, I appreciate you saying so. Listen, we'll uh, we're gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna get back to work. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Uh, boys, y'all be careful down there. Let's uh, let's don't forget one thing right here at the end. Uh, Duck Dog Clothing brings you part of the podcast. At Melissa out at Duck Dog Clothing uh, for all your uh, podcast gear. Go on there. She's got a little drop box you can drop down. Get you a T-shirt. Like like Adam said, it's like buying us a beer, getting us a drink at the bar. It helps us out, keeps the wheel rolling, man. We appreciate it. Go on there and get you a T-shirt, a hat. Let us see you at the test with them on. Uh, wet dog, let's see, wet mutt mats and Kong bumpers. What does that say? If you ain't got Kong, you're wrong. Go, uh, <laughs> oh, you're wrong. <laughs> so, oh, I love it. We'll, we'll leave you with that. Adam, y'all be safe, bud. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Doghouse. Little Troy going to take us out. Roll on.